demonstrate what I say to people who are who have been in labor education classes um, and who have asked me the question, "How can I get your job?" And so then they want to know, um, you know, what the thinking behind doing labor education education is. And so I ask them, these are people who have usually helped somebody at work. They may be union stewards or shop representatives or union leaders. I ask them, have they ever had the experience of talking to somebody about their job and having suddenly, suddenly just start crying unexpectedly as if they're overcome by a wave of emotion that just explodes? And most of them will say, yes, you know, you, you, you're talking to somebody who doesn't normally cry, or at least doesn't normally cry in public, a bus driver, a carpenter, or a, um, you know, a nurse or somebody, and they, they start talking about their job and demonstrating what they know about their job, you know, what it consists of, how it should be done, what they are trying to do in it, and this pouring of out, outpouring of emotion comes along. So that is the tip of the iceberg that people have about their work knowledge. And this is not knowledge that is normally surfaced. It's um, very different from school knowledge, and I will try to explain why. It is, first of all, extremely emotional. Um, it also is very slanted. It takes their perspective. It um, takes sides. You could say that it is political um, because it takes slides. It's got a. Um, it is also shared. People know that their knowledge about their work is actually partly in another person, um, and it's also meaning. You know, if you want to know something about such and such, ask so and so. You know, or he over there. You know, has a different perspective on the whole workplace than I have, and our our knowledge of it combines to become a whole, a full knowledge. Um, it's also historical. People understand what their, what their work and what their own knowledge was like years ago. You know, they have a sense of the history of, of what they're doing. And I mean, very obviously, just in the fact that they have to get trained, they have to learn how to do it. They sense that there's a past, that there are stages in learning how to do their work. So there are these four dimensions, the emotional aspect of it, the political aspect of it, the shared and collective aspect, and then the historical aspect of it. Um, and I'm sure you can sense how different that this is from school learning, which tends to be individual, and you can test it with an exam, and people will get a certificate in it, and they put the certificate on the shelf, and they go off and learn something else, and they never apply what they learned in school knowledge. In this work knowledge, it's applied all the time, and it's, it's created all the time. Um, so people will say, you know, <laughs> Why don't we think about this? You know, why don't we know about this? And and that has to do um, partly with the origins of it. Um, let's just take a look at it. This this knowledge is extremely good because it's so active and so um, and so political. It is very good for engaging in and managing social change. 
you know, it's it's very adaptive knowledge, and it, it's it's good for it's it's good for managing rapidly range changing situations, which is what we're in right now, as I think everyone will agree. So let's look at where it came from. Um, it it was developed. Um, in the early days of the Soviet Union, which is a, another, you could say, similar moment of extreme social change, um, where the the country was trying to put together thousands of miles of a newly assembled nation with many languages in it, many actual nationalities in it, um, and um, a lot of you know war still going on all over the place, um, and um, they were trying to assemble the country into a socialist nation, which meant changing the purpose of society. I mean, the purpose of society was supposed to be transformed into something that was going to be more equal, um, which I would say there are parts of our society that is trying to do the same thing. One of the leading lights of this attempt to design a, a, a figure, figure out a way to do education was a guy named Vygotsky, um, who with his colleagues, he was very young. It was, you know, it, it was the young people who were taking over the universities and the streets and the, you know, creating the new, new bureaucracies. He was this young guy and his, he and his colleagues tried to study how people actually do learn. And they, uh, they studied children, how children learn their first words. They studied, um, they went out into the boonies and looked at peasants and asked them questions about how they um, built categories out of the different, you know, how they named the categories that they're, they, uh, of, the, of the tools that they used. They brought all this back together. And when they, when they developed their, um, their theory, they foregrounded speech, speech as the thing that connects people and allows us to, uh, allows us to regulate and manage and organize our thoughts. So there's speech, which is this, this shared social phenomenon that was and is developed for the purpose of coordinating actions and sharing meaning above us also actually helps us organize, you know, build build our minds, um, and you know you can see this in when when you're in the classroom and somebody has one of those light bulb moments. It's often because they have just been given a concept that puts a name on an experience that they know from their own life. I would say that um, probably for labor educators, the best the way to test this is think about, you know, what happened when you first really explained concerted activity. Um, you know, concerted activity, it's a funny sounding word. Um, activity, you know, who knows what that is? Who knows what concerted is? But those, those two words together, um, have been part of labor legislation for over a hundred years, and they are 
basically concerted activity means two or more people helping each other. And one of the basic labor rights that we have is the right to help each other at work. So when, when you describe, when you talk to people about solving an urgent problem at work, and they have a lot of sort of scattered experience of it, and they're saying things like, that's not fair, that's not right, or that's not how it's supposed to be, and all I was trying to do was teach her how to do it right so she wouldn't get her fingers cut off. You can, when you say that's concerted activity, and you explain what the history of that word is, and how that word has, in a circular fashion, going back into legislation and into the courts and into individual people's experience. And now here we're talking about it and applying it to the actual experience of somebody in the classroom. Then, then you see the light bulb go on. And what you have done is surfaced an experience and given it a concept. And then the person whom you're talking to can take that concept and put it back into their own mind and they can organize their actions and thinkings around that.